think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here. And I have a very exciting guest, a guest that I always wondered if he would actually be a guest for me. In fact, I've wondered if uh, he and his siblings would ever want to be on this podcast. And so this is a very unique and special episode because for the first time ever, I have one of my children, Truett Warren. What's up? Hey, buddy. Hey. So Truett is my son. He is my firstborn, so my oldest. And uh, it is exciting to, you know, finally have you on the podcast here. How are you feeling about this? Uh, it's, it feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah? It's super exciting. Now, <clears throat> I, I, want, I want folks to know just kind of how you have interacted with this podcast. Because when I first started it, you had heard that I, you know, was doing a podcast, but yeah. you weren't like a listener of it. You actually didn't listen to any podcast, really. You mostly watched like YouTube shows or whatever that yeah. were about interesting things to you. Uh, but you, you recently became a listener of the podcast in the last year. Can you kind of just explain a little bit about about that experience? Like, what led you to kind of actually engage in the Take and Read podcast? So yeah, I was so this summer. I uh, took a job uh, doing construction for a guy in our church, and I thought that I was going to be, you know, like, screwing in the screws and stuff and, like, getting to, like, learn construction. But technically, because of my age, I'm 15, I'm not allowed by the law to really do those power tool stuff. So I was doing a lot of grunt jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, well, There's nothing wrong with grunt I mean, jobs, yeah, right? But... You're learning stuff. You're learning what you... Uh... Yeah, how hard work is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it sometimes it just got boring. Like one day, yeah, it was just like picking up trash all day. Um, so to pass the time, I would listen to music and stuff. And so one day, I thought I'd just you know give it a go and listen to the Take and Read podcast. And I mean, I would get through oh, like six to eight episodes a day just listening to this. So, these but episodes. you were. When you first arrived on the on the job site, you're with a bunch of guys, oh, yeah. other construction workers, <laughs> and just to, yeah, how would you describe, you know, that environment? Um, that environment was not one I was very used to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was just a lot rougher, I guess you could say. Yeah. Than what I was used to. Um, you know, just. I mean, language was crazy there. Yeah. Never really. I mean, I'd been on sports teams and stuff, but I mean, it was just yeah. really atrocious there. But, and then, yeah, just not, not the most wholesome guys. You're right. You could okay. probably say that. And so you, so. So you chose to engage in worship music and listen to music and different things like that. And then eventually you decided to turn on and uh, tune into the Take and Read podcast. So over the course of your summer job, how many episodes of the Take and Read podcast did you listen to? So I started listening to it about a little bit later, and probably in about a month, I probably got through like 90 episodes. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you're you were yeah. binge listening. I mean, it was to like, your dad. So what's it like to all day long for hours, seven hours a day, just hear me talking with other people? And so you're hearing my voice and other people's voices, and then you come home, and there I am talking to you again. Was that like yeah, too it was much so overkill? Weird, you know, <laughs> I mean, at first, like some of it would be, it'd feel like a little, like a lecture or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh, this is kind of boring. But then he'd say stuff uh, about me, and I'd get interested again. I'd be yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, a healthy balance. Okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot then. Over the course of the summer. And so you had basically kind of taken a a deep dive into the gospel of Mark. Yeah. Like you think about this summer, you you think about taking your time going through a gospel. Was that the most kind of in-depth look at a, you know, a book of the Bible you've ever done? Oh, yeah. It totally gave me like a different perspective. Like kind of before it was just a bunch of Bible verses and stuff. But now I was really starting to like look into the word and like I, I would know through the podcast, like I would notice these different little details about all the Bible stories that I heard growing up. Right. And it would be, you know, so cool just to like kind of connect that. And I mean, even now um, at school, I have a Bible class and we're still going in deep like that. And in, and the podcast, I will say, has definitely helped me. Cool. And just, yeah, it's super fun. Interesting. So some uh, an important component uh, to this podcast is that when I have a new guest, which you're a new guest, oh, I know. and you know the routine with new <laughs> guests, so you know that I'm going to ask you to explain kind of your history with the Bible itself, like your earliest memories of the Bible and kind of how your interaction with the Bible has kind of changed and what it looks like now. I mean, if I go earliest memories with the Bible, I mean, I I can't even remember a time when there wasn't the Bible. Okay. Because, I mean, it was just, I mean, we would just, I mean, Bible stories, Bible, like, yeah, we do devos at night and stuff. So I just remember, like, listening to it. And before, like I said, it was a lot of Bible stories. But now it's not so much Bible stories. It's like... A, a guideline and a help like something that I look for when I need help mm-hmm. like figuring out something or just want to praise God and just read it so it's become like a, a really helpful tool yeah mm-hmm. yeah so when you um, when did you start to or have you started to read the Bible for yourself like more than just hey this is something I do because I it's a part of a class that I take at school or I open this thing up because I go to something at a church function or I attend worship on Sunday. When did the Bible become something you thought, man, I should read this on my own? Um, Honestly, I'm going to probably say like after this summer when I was listening to the Take and Read podcast so more, like it, I was able to like hear them read it and then I'm like, oh, I should read it because I can get a lot of good stuff out. So I'll like... I'll wake up early and I'll read it, but most of the time it's at night when I'm just like kind of done with the day. I'll pull and I'll just, I will literally just open up anywhere. Hmm. And sometimes it's homework for school. Like we're right now in school, we're doing like the New Testament. So right now we're going through like Luke, I think. Yeah. 
and I'll read a couple of that, but sometimes like uh the other night I was in James and I just flipped over there and So yeah. have you ever like whether it was through youth group or school, did you have you ever had a reading plan? Yeah, so I think the f- one of the first times it really started like a, a discipline reading plan was in eighth grade. I was doing a thing in youth group and it was like a just like a Bible study thing and we would get together. But I would wake up every morning and I would read that. Right on. Right on. If you had to stand back right now and say the Lord is is teaching you something, right? You look back at all the different things that are going on in your life and you look at whether it's through sports or school or through family time or things that you're experiencing with your church family, things in worship and sermons and Bible studies, like can you stand back and see that there's maybe something in this season of your life God is trying to teach you? Yeah, I definitely can see like this has been going on for like a couple months. Just I uh, started football and throughout the whole football season, like that's also some pretty rough dudes. And just how do I act like a Christian in those mm-hmm. environments when it's so easy not to? And then not just acting the part, but actually being sincere mm-hmm. with your worship. You don't want to just act to act because, you know, I'm like the pastor's kid and I got to act right. Right. But just to act, to actually love the Lord and have a relationship with him because that's what he calls us as kingdom people to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we came here to take and read the Bible. Yeah. Okay, and I'll just talk about it. So we are in the book of Acts, as you know, and in we're currently making our way through chapter, chapter 8. Uh, we have recently kind of seen how some persecution uh, in the early church took place. Uh, we you know, took a look at Stephen and all that he experienced and then started to recognize uh, the ravaging of Saul when he starts ravaging the church and persecuting people. Uh, and then most recently, we looked at this account or this incident when Philip is in Samaria and he goes to Samaria uh, to preach the gospel, and he's there preaching the word because he and others had been scattered because of Saul's persecution. When Saul starts ravaging the church, it causes disciples to scatter. Philip is one of those who now scatters to the region of Samaria. And back in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so you see that kind of progression happen through the book of Acts where they first start and they are witnesses of Christ in Jerusalem and then in Judea, and then now they're getting scattered and they're spreading out to Samaria. So you see the Lord is accomplishing his purposes even through the evil intentions of someone like Saul who is persecuting the church which is pretty cool. And so then we looked at how when Philip was uh, preaching the gospel in Samaria, there he was there were he was casting out unclean spirits, he was doing and performing miraculous signs, but what was prominent, what the priority was was the message and not the signs and the miracles. They accompanied and almost endorsed God's activity there to say that this gospel message going to these Samaritans, 
this, in fact, is God's endorsement on this thing happening, and that's why those signs and wonders that would accompany that. And then there was a guy named Simon there who was a magician. He had been uh, clearly uh, being utilized by unclean spirits doing what would have been perceived as magic, but uh, he himself was even overwhelmed by the truth of the gospel that Philip was sharing, and so he he came as one of those that wanted to also convert to Christianity. So that has just happened. So so he is uh, requesting uh, to be be a believer um, as as Philip preaches the good news. And many were baptized, both men and women. And in verse 13, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So now this Simon continues on with Philip. But we're going to read the rest of this story. Uh, and So we're going to read f- verses 14 through the end of 25. And we're going to see kind of how does this, you know, that's not how the story ends. There's... There's still more stuff happening. So I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. What do you have? I also have the ESV. Okay. So we'll take a look here at uh, starting in chapter 8, verse 14, and uh, we'll see what we got here. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone in whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Man, that's an interesting passage. Yeah, this is there's, pretty interesting. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> so right away as you as you see a passage like this, what are immediately some of the questions you have? Like, hey, what, what does that mean? That needs some explaining. What's going on here? Honestly, I mean, I have a couple questions, but I was reading verse 23. For I see that you were in the gall. What is the gall? The gall, that would be like um, like the gallbladder, like, oh, yeah. like where bile is made. Uh, oh. And so it's just like in this, there's this deep bitterness in his insides. Like he is, he's just completely entrenched in bitterness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. Good <laughs> yeah, question. It clears it up a little bit. Um, and something I noticed is that they had been baptized, but they did not have the Holy Spirit yeah. yet. Yeah. So, actually, we were talking about this today in Bible class. Okay. About baptism and stuff. And that baptism was a sign that you, to others, that you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because if I looked look at you or look at 
some random person. I'm not going to be able to tell if they, I mean, I might be able to by their works right. and their words, but it's a way to tell others like, Hey, I have the Holy spirit in me. So it's, it's interesting. like a public declaration. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, yeah. Okay. So that people will know, Hey, he has the Holy spirit right. or the spirit of God in him. So I think that it's interesting that they were baptized and then they laid their hands on him. Yeah, I mean yeah, this this scene it it forces us to wrestle with some questions about how do how do things work? Yeah. Uh because you know, we we understand that there was a baptism that John the Baptist performed. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, indicated that there was the b- baptism of John the Baptist which was a baptism of repentance. And then Jesus, you know, comes along and and there's now a baptism of being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you're baptized into the Spirit. And so it's interesting to see here that there's somehow this, like, other baptism now, that they've been baptized, it says, uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they hadn't yet received the Spirit. So then they lay their hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And so many would interpret this passage to mean that there's like an, an additional baptism of the Holy Spirit that until you receive that baptism, you don't receive spiritual gifts. So the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. And so that comes from a more charismatic Pentecostal kind of lane of theology where they would identify that. Um, and so... Th- the question is, is that what's being done here? Is that what what Peter and John, when they show up, is that what they're suggesting? Um, so that's a good question. Anything else stick out? Um, like, to me, it seems like Peter had, or was Simon? So you had Philip. S- uh, Philip. And then you had Simon Peter and John, and then Simon the magician. Okay. It seemed to me like Simon had, like, you know, good intention. Like, hey, I want to be able to, like bring the holy spirit but no it seems like he was yeah on the surface tries to buy it like buy salvation for people which you know it indicates that earlier in this passage the in the last episode when we talked about how philip he preached the good news about the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ and many were baptized Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Mm -hmm. So there was this moment in which Simon, from what we understand, that he was persuaded by the good news that as, as Philip preached Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, the power that comes from him to forgive sin, that that Simon was persuaded. But you can also see in this that there was something about Philip's ability to perform miraculous things, true miracles like casting out demons, healing people, that something about that attracted Simon because you remember his former life. Yeah. He was magician, a magician yeah. performing miraculous signs and wonders, mm-hmm. most likely with the uh, influence and the power of demonic, unclean yeah. spirits. And so... There, we don't know if there was a prestige associated with that, that somehow he liked the attention or the power or whatever that brought him, and that, that somehow that was drawing him. And so then we start to see that there was this baptism that as Peter and John come in and they 
they're laying hands on people and baptizing them or they're praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit would come down and enter into these believers and, and reside or dwell within them and that he says here, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Spirit. So, like you said, it seems like he has good intentions until you find out he doesn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're able to discern because they have the Holy Spirit that what's going on in his heart is not wholesome. Yeah. It's not pure. Like he says that, give it to me so that I can lay my hands on it. But really when Philip and Peter are laying hands on them, it's not them. It's the Holy Spirit right. working through them. But Simon didn't really pick that up. <laughs> he didn't. But Peter picked up on his motives. Uh-huh. He's like, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And that's the interesting part of this. Like, He's like, can I have this power? Please do this for me. Get, let, let me have the Spirit. Here, Here's money. Let, let me pay you. I'll pay yeah. you. And... There's there's clearly a a recognition that this is by grace alone, grace is undeserved favor. Yeah, and here he's trying to purchase it. Yeah, buy, buy it with some something some that's silver. free, and and so it, it has to, everything to do with the attitude of his heart that yeah. it's not pure before the Lord, and that they're concerned that if he's not forgiven, that this will somehow lead to destruction of him, like that he will. This will this will be a bad deal for him. Uh, he says, "He's uh, your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Therefore, he's he's truly in bondage. And and so you look at this and you realize whatever conversion he thinks he had." It was not a true, genuine conversion originally. When when he prayed to receive Christ and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that that was not a legitimate thing that that he went through. And so I think that's one of the lessons here is that just going through the motions, just because you go to church or you're a part of a youth group or a Bible study, even because you went and were baptized, that doesn't necessarily mean you're saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one can go through the motions and not have a sincere commitment that Jesus is your boss, that you have given your life to him, that you're trusting in him for salvation alone. And you can go through the motions and it not be a sincere faith. That's like exactly what I've been learning. We just went through the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And what Jesus keeps screaming at us is, don't be like the hypocrites. They do all this stuff. When they fast, their face looks gloomy. When they pray, they pray loud in the streets so that everybody can see them. But God is saying, don't be like them. Be sincere with your faith. Yeah. Because those guys, the hypocrites, they have no place in heaven if they're just doing that for people. And he's like, at some point, he says, they'll get their, they'll get their reward. Yeah. Which yeah. they'll get what they want, which is the praise of man. And which is shallow, fleeting, and short-lived, but the eternal reward—it's lost. Mm-hmm. They, that's not theirs. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, what do you think we do with this this concept of these believers having been baptized, like upon Philip preaching the gospel, 
and him performing signs and wonders and driving out demons. But then when Peter and John show up, uh, because these Samaritans had received the word, but they had yet to receive the Holy Spirit because the Spirit had not fallen on them in verse 16. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, so clearly not in the name of the Spirit as well. So when Jesus gives his great commission in Matthew 28, he says, you you know, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And so here that has not happened. And and so how, how do you think we answer it? How do we wrestle with this? Um, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to have the answer, but how do you process that? That there's this conversion where people are giving their life to the Lord and have trusted in the gospel that Philip has, pro, has proclaimed. But in this instance, at least historically in this time in the church, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen. Yeah, that, <laughs> that definitely brings up some questions. Yeah, it should. But I mean... I mean, yeah, that's just, it's tough to think about. Because we would say as believers now, when you give your life to Christ, when you, you, through confession and repentance of your sin, and you place your faith and trust in Christ, that you're sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, and and you, you have received that Holy Spirit as a deposit, right? And that that you are saved, there's no second requirement of people coming and laying hands on you so that the Spirit would fall upon you. And so I think when we think about our, our experience here and now, we do have to remember that what we're reading about here was at a very particular time in human history. And it was at a very particular time in which Jesus had said and, and was establishing his church on earth. Yeah, And so there are things that are happening here that were very specific to that time and location and place. Mm-hmm. One of those was that the gospel has now arrived at the Samaritans. So originally, when they're yeah. in Jerusalem and Judea, these are Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And so now the gospel is starting to spread beyond the, the covenant Jewish people. And this good news, this Messiah, is now being received and accepted by people that aren't Jews. Yeah. And that's very contrary to a lot of the, the, the current, you know, at that time, Jewish thinking that, that, this would, that this Messiah would be a savior of anyone other than a Jew. And the first people group that they had great animosity with were these Samaritans. Yeah. We've been learning about that, too. Like, the Samaritans were... Um, the Jews that stayed behind, so when they were exiled and uh, f- when the Assyrians and Babylonians came and they yep. were exiled, some of the Jews stayed behind, but they intermarried with yep. the surrounding people. And so when the Jews came back, there was this other race of people who were like half Jews. And so the Jews just always, you know, they beefed Yeah, that they, they had kind of perverted their worship. They didn't have a pure kind of understanding of the law they only read a portion yeah. of the old testament uh-huh. but you know not not the full um torah uh so there were and they had compromised by intermarrying and things like that and so they were seen as a very 
dirty, l- dirty, yeah. less than people. Yeah, group. just like disgrace, like not yeah. not real Jews. Yeah, and so you can imagine at this time. Now this gospel, this good news of a Messiah, that Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, has gone out. And you, they, there's, that's going to challenge some of their assumptions about the Messiah, the Jews, that the Messiah would be willing to save Samaritans, this group of people that were not faithful to God historically. And I mean, I bet the Samaritans, like, there's a Jew reaching out to us telling us that he loves us, but he's a Jew. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. And so it would have been like, whoa, so I'm going to listen to what this guy has to say. Yeah, I and think so that's then, probably pretty powerful. Yeah. And I think the 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 intentionality in this kind of heightened experience of Peter and John laying on hands and praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit, I think is a a way of God's Spirit arriving in their midst and is an endorsement on His presence with them and that they are now included in this kingdom of God, that they're a part of this thing called the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think there's this special experience of this kind of them calling down the Holy Spirit and praying to receive I also think it's interesting that this wouldn't have been the first time. Like it's the first time we see disciples going and sharing the gospel with Samaritans. But there's like yeah. a really famous passage. The Samar- the Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you have in John chapter four, mm-hmm. you've got this experience of Jesus at this well going through the region of Samaria and meets this woman at the well. And is talking to her about all that's gone on in her past and all these incredible things. And he's talking about living water. And he's like, if if you ask me for water, the water I can give you will, will, you'll never, you'll never thirst again. And uh, there's just some fascinating elements to that with, with, he's referring to living water instead of just kind of regular water, and living water was a very direct reference to these Jewish mikvehs that were there, and these were ritual cleansing uh, basins or whatever that, that the Jews would go in to cleanse themselves with the living water in order to go into the temple and to yeah. worship the Lord. And they're talking about the worship of God, like Jesus is talking with her about you know where to worship God and... And then he starts talking about living water, and then he starts talking about all of her sin and all of the various husbands that she's had and the man she's living with now is not even like her. So he's like reading all of her dirty laundry, and uh, it's like he's talking to her about the living water and that he is the source of such a living water that she would never have to be go through the ritual purification again, but she would be continually cleansed by this one, by this kind of water he gives, and so he being the Messiah. But anyway, that's just a good reminder of that initial encounter with mm-hmm. Samaritans that Jesus himself had already reached out to the Samaritans. And I think that's kind of the model for the new church. It's co- so back in the Old Testament, the only way that you would really receive Jesus is if you went to like a Jewish temple or a Jewish synagogue and you learned about Jesus that way. 
You mean like the Messiah? Or, or yeah, or like God. Yes, God. Yeah, God. Uh-huh. Not really Jesus. Like Yahweh. Yeah. God uh-huh. the Father. Uh-huh. Like that's the only way you would have known about him. But the new church model is we are going out and we're reaching every single person, like no matter what, you're reaching out. They don't come to us anymore. We go to them. Yeah, Jesus even says we're the temple. Yeah. The, the temple's no longer a physical location, it's for but it's a people. A yeah. yeah, so we as the temple of the Holy Spirit now, God is with us. And so, yeah, to your point, they don't. we don't invite people to a location to encounter God. We engage with them, and as vessels of the Spirit mm-hmm. of God, we bring and deliver truth, and so we get to introduce people to the living God. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's pretty cool. It is. So but it's also like a a big burden too, but Yeah, it's a big responsibility. It is, but yeah. you know it's God good. will give us strength for that. Amen. Amen. All righty. So as you stand back and, and consider this passage, things that we've discussed today, what would be kind of something that you think resonates with you the most or is a very good reminder that now that you have read God's word and as you and I prayed before we got on this podcast that God would reveal things to us from his word, how do you live in light of this truth? How do you, as Truett, a son of the living God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of his, how do you live in light of this truth today? Um, I just don't really want to do something stupid like Simon, like how he's like, <laughs> yeah. how he's like let me buy that, but like, I just don't, I, I don't want to... Kind of, uh, well, I'll, there's a word I'm looking sincere. for. Sincere. Yeah, I want it to be sincere, and I don't want to like jeopardize. No, it's like oh, I'm trying to find the word. Like he he wanted the um, power, maybe not to heal souls, but to you know have something for himself. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be something that I can get out of it. So self-serving, or yeah, self-serving, or just like. You, Con- you, that I, you I, profit from, or yeah, okay, mm-hmm. or I get confused on something like, because he he might have been a little confused because normally you don't buy the spirit, right? Or it's only by the grace of God. So yeah, just kind of like that. I'm sincere with it, and that I yeah yeah yeah. And I think I think that that point of sincerity and. It would be easy to look at a passage like this and get really caught up on how it works. Like, okay, do I need to go out there and get baptized yeah. again and, and have some special somebody pray for me so that the Spirit falls on me? Like, am I missing out on something? And rather than get caught up on that, I think a passage like this is a really great reminder of sincerity of faith, to truly understand what are the the benefits of the gospel. And it's not so that we somehow can have power and do mighty works so that we can build up a great name for ourselves. Because yeah. Philip, Peter, John, like any time that they're, there's a big deal made about their ability to do things in the Spirit, they constantly defer attention to Jesus Christ. Like there's a, a story earlier in the book of Acts where Peter and John heal a guy who's sitting on the edge of the temple, outside the temple. They, they cause this man who's been lame from birth to get up and walk. You talk about a miracle. Somebody who's yeah. never had leg muscles work. He's never had tendons that were developed. He didn't have the muscle memory 
of and the coordination in you know his brain and his spinal cord and all of his nervous system to coordinate even walking and yet he gets up and he's leaping around and jumping around well this causes a big ruckus and people want to know by what power so when they confront peter and john they say by what power did you heal this man and they said you ask us what power we did this like we're somehow pious or faithful or somehow there's something special about us there's nothing special about us it is Jesus Christ who healed this man. Yeah, I think that that's what Peter was was getting at. Like, oh, you have this power. I want this power. But no, it's entirely God. Like, and yeah, Peter's like, I don't have any power. Yeah, it's not me, mm-hmm. uh, and it's certainly not mine to just uh, divvy out as though it could be purchased, yeah. right? So, I think that's the reminder for me is just that sincerity and and to recognize that any good thing that happens as a result of you know, something I say or do is, is the power of Christ in me accomplishing mm-hmm. that and to constantly remind myself of that. Yeah. So good word, brother. Good word, uh-huh. man. It's been cool having you on the podcast. I know, this, is, this is crazy. Isn't right it now. fun? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Sitting in the chair. There you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, so if you're tuning in right now, uh, yes, we, this is, this is two guys that believe that Jesus Christ is and was the living God. We believe he physically lived, physically died, and physically rose from the grave, and that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will judge all humanity. And uh, we believe this to be true. We believe that God's Word, this Bible, is in fact divinely inspired, and and so it is life for us. It is wisdom for us and it is uh, a light unto our feet and so as we've read this and processed this uh, together if there's anything that's provoked questions or uh, things that that you want to know more about you can always email me at take and read podcast gmail.com you can also leave comments uh, in you know in the comment section if you're watching this on or listening to this on YouTube, or you know wherever you're capturing this and listening to this, uh, leave comments and uh, engage in conversation. I think that's a great opportunity for the community of Bible readers out there to take and read and discuss God's Word. But I uh, would encourage you, uh, yeah, give a shout out to Truett uh, for joining yeah. the podcast today, and uh, so so glad to have you, man. And it was so fun. I want to encourage everybody out there to go. Take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.